and welcome to Curiosity Killed the Cat. I'm your host, Sarah, and today we are going to be doing a conspiracy episode, and it's going to be all about the Dyatlov Pass incident. It is uh, quite... Well, let's just say things get really yucky by the end of it. Ten students go off on a hike in um, a mountain pass in Russia, and by the time it's all said and done, nine of them have died, and the cause of death was only listed as hypothermia. And when you hear the injuries that were bestowed upon these bodies, you're going to be like, I don't think that adds up. It's like if somebody said one plus one equals... 2,500,054 A plus B equals C equals MC squared. You'd be like, what? So uh, that's what Russia tends to do sometimes when it comes to covering up things they don't want people to know about. So when it came to the death of these uh, nine young university students, um, you know, Whatever happened, happened, but they definitely didn't want you to know about it. So we're going to get into the, you know, step-by-step story of where they started, where they ended up, what happened to their poor bodies, and the different theories um, and conspiracies that revolve around this, uh, this yucky incident. So let's get into it. So last time we took a journey to Denver, Colorado, and we explored an airport. Um, And it was kind of like, it's a weird airport. So it was like fun to talk about and get into like the spooky, weird shit that goes on there. But this one's a little bit different because we had nine very young uh, college age students um, that were, I don't even know what happened to these poor guys. Like, they were definitely murdered, killed by something. I don't know. Uh, we're going to get into that, obviously. But um, so, yeah, and it's pretty tragic. Um, just to give you a little, uh, hmm, just to give you a little idea of what the Soviet Union was like back in 1959. I'm not going to give you a full history of it because um, we'll be here for uh a few years. So anyways, um, they used to have these really um, extensive like athletic programs to where you would get, the, it was like based off of a point merit system. So if you were like uh, high school age, college age, and did different, um, oh my gosh, what do I want to say? Different tracks or different types of outdoor sportsmanship activities, um, you were rewarded for it by these by this this point this point system and so all of the people all of the um men and women on this trek here were like top scores in the system they were like apex experienced um one of the men in the group he was actually i think in his late 30s so he seemed like more like a chaperone um type and uh you know like i said they were all pretty pretty well aware of what they were doing, where they were going. It wasn't anything new. And, um, you know, some of the stories I read talked to the families that were like left behind. And it's just such a bummer. I was telling my mom that like, you know, if you lose a brother or sister, like that is pretty rough, but it seemed like, um, 
you know, a lot of these younger brothers and sisters, siblings, uh, from these hikers were like, um, had this like very strong sense of pride in their older siblings. Like they just knew that they were, you know, destined to become something big in their country. They all, everybody there had this really strong sense of patriotism. Um, especially back then they just came back from world war two and really trying to make, I don't know, something they were, I guess things weren't so cold and gray, you know, so they were excited because there was some color in the world. So anyways, uh, you know, these just seem like, they seem like a really, how do I put this? Just a really solid group of young individuals. Um, two of the young women um, in the group kept uh, pretty detailed diaries and they talked about like this little scuffle that they had on the the train that they took off on the first night and how um because they were playing their mandolin too loud and it's like wow how that's very guns and roses of them and uh they went back to their little like cabin on the train and they had conversations about kissing and i'm like oh they sound like little just little darlings. And so that's really sweet. And then one of the girls had uh, written home asking if her cow had given birth to her calf yet. And uh, just to give you some background information on cows, um, I took FFA. Oh, I took FFA. Um, hmm. Let's see here. If you want to have a dairy cow, you have to get it pregnant. And so it's not like a year-long pregnancy project is almost like a two-year-long project because it's like you have to get the cow pregnant then it has to birth the cow and then you have a dairy cow so she was probably really really invested she was probably going to show this thing hopefully get a ribbon and like you know move on to great things in the world and uh they were they all seemed destined for something big in russia hopefully hopefully nothing too crazy um so anyways uh yeah, this was 1959, uh, Chernobyl, you know, this, this was a pretty gnarly incident, but then Chernobyl was like, hold my beer about 30 some odd years later. So I don't know if we'll ever get into Chernobyl cause that's a whole, that's a whole thing. But, uh, we're going to start in the Ural mountains of Russia and it is, uh, late January of 1959 and, um, uh, a group of nine people decide to go for a hike, and I will tell you what happens. So, led by Igor Dyatlov, a Russian, uh, nine Russian Soviet uh, hikers slash students uh, headed out to trek the Ural Mountains, and um, <laughs> one stop. This is what happened. So there was ten. There was actually ten of them at first. Ended up being nine. One of them at the first stop after they got off the train. Uh, his back was hurting so bad. His sciatic nerve was driving him just like bonkers crazy. They had to take like a, a freaking sled into one area that they were going into uh, for 15 miles. And by the time they got all the way over there, um, yeah, poor Yuri was like, and there's like five Yuris in the story. So the first Yuri was like, peace out. Okay. Um, you know, he just, it was a three week long it was expected to be a three-week-long trip. And, uh, yeah, once they took the sled to Northern Unit 2, 
which is the location that it's called, which how drab and great does that sound so he was like i'm gonna leave unit northern unit two here i'm gonna go put some ice on my back not this radiated ice oh my god that's a whole other thing <laughs> that's a whole other thing so the group freaking took his gear they um distributed it among themselves and he went home and he got to live so he had some back pain some back problems but you know what it's better than any it, whatever happened to him in life is a thousand times better than what happened to the rest of the poor deers. So now we're down to nine. Okay. And, um, oh my God, put it right. Oh yeah. He basically pulled a gendry, um, from game of Thrones. The one, the one time they went beyond the wall and then the walkers were coming and they were like, gendry run back to the wall, go get Daenerys. And she's all the way like on an Island somewhere, but she showed up pretty fast. Um, unfortunately nobody really showed up fast for these guys. Um, so the nine of them continued, uh, continued ahead and, um, let's see. Yeah. Like I said, they just were part of a generation that was just coming back up from a really, really awful, long, cold period. And they're getting ready to head right back into another one. Um, but like I said, they were young, but they were experienced and they were ready to go. And so, um, they began the trip on January 23rd. And like I said, they were expected to be gone for about three weeks. And with weather obstacles, you know, when a group is expected to arrive at their last post or station, um, if a day or two goes by, it's not the biggest deal, you know, but anything after that is going to uh, really throw up a lot of red flags. And so, yeah, they, uh, they boarded a sleeper train and that's where we got the cute little story about the mandolin. Um, I'm pretty sure the year, one of the Yuri's was playing the mandolin. Um, also one of the, uh, two of the people in the party had been like in a romantic relationship before. Apparently the guy saved her from like a big brown bear, like Jamie Lannister. And, uh, but they broke up at some point. So she wrote in her diary that she was worried about like if they would be, if it would be awkward. And it's like, oh my God, how adorable. And <sighs> yeah, I remember those times, those junior high feelings, except they were in college. So I don't mean to discount their adult feelings and put it to a junior high level. Um, let's see. So from the sleeper train, they hop on a truck and they go to the 41st settlement. Yay. That sounds like Disneyland. So this was a logging camp and they had uh, some some good little kiki chats with the loggers at the at the camp. And um, it's kind of hilarious because uh, the girls like detailed it and just like said what a joy they were. And I'm just like picturing like all these young kids just like sitting around this fire and it's just like these big Russian logger dudes just, you know, it was probably hilarious. So I digress. Uh, let's see. So when they go from there, they, now they're following, following like very remote. I mean, they're already, they're probably so far in the middle of nowhere already that I can't even fathom it. And I go hiking sometimes and phew, not like that though. So they go, so they get from there and, uh, they follow this, there's a tribe 
that lives in the area, and they are the Mensi tribe, uh, indigenous tribe. They have hunting tracks, uh, very peaceful. The fucking piece of shit government tried, <laughs> they tried at first to blame the deaths possibly on them, and they were like, yo, I don't think so. And they ended up helping find four of the bodies uh, when it was all said and done. So take that, Soviet Union. Um, so anyways, so they follow these, um, these Mensi hunting tracks throughout the area and, uh, finally needing a horse-drawn sled to carry their crucial supplies 15 miles to north to settlement. And that's where we lose Sweet Yuri. And, um, yeah, God, that must've been some bad back pain. I'm telling you, I don't know if this is like a... <laughs> a shoot yourself in the foot sort of a situation or, you know, maybe he was like Devin Sawa in Final Destination and saw something that the rest of the group did not. And he was like, I am out skis. So goodbye, Yuri. One of the girls were like, Yuri left today. We are sad. We had to split up his, (laughs) we had to split up his gear weight, which was like, I think she was more upset about having to carry more, carry more shit throughout the mountains rather than him leaving. Um, yeah, so they went, uh, from here, you know, uh, after Gary makes this life, life changing decision to, uh, to get the heck out of there. Um, they passed Mount Ortorton, Ortorton, Ortorten. You decide. Um, it's alias is don't go there. So they went there. And, uh, yeah, that's what that means in Mansi. Don't go there. And they went there. And, uh, let's see. The only people in the area are the Mansi tribe, like I mentioned. And, uh, this is really, this is really something. This took a few... Actually, you know what? I want to say most of the videos I watched about this, there wasn't a whole lot of mention about, about these strings of prison camps in this like uh desolate area in the middle of the fucking mountains um this one article um oh my gosh where I got most of my information that I wrote down here from uh an article from the BBC UK and from Atlas Obscura and um yeah I just this is mind-blowing so <laughs> The Soviet Union thought it'd be a good idea to put a string of prison camps with a total of 30,000 inmates throughout them, um, all throughout the area where the Mensi tribe live, where people are, you know, kind of like known to hike in and out. And um, yeah, this is this next little piece of information is really cool, too. But I need to drink some water. It is so hot in Southern California right now. Um, and the Ural Mountains are the polar opposite. So anyways, um, these camps had a reputation for being heinously violent as in like, uh, you know, a bunch of violent dudes in prison camps in the middle of like minus a hundred degree weather in the middle of nowhere with like, God knows what to do. Yeah, I guess they got a little violent out there. 
So it's really odd because this group, they like, they weren't that far away from a few of these camps. So anyways, um, yeah, from there, let's see, um, on February 1st, the group set up their tent on the slope of the Don't Go There mountain. They had gone up, I can't remember how many, I didn't write how many feet, but they'd gone up a significant amount, like up the slope. And if there's one thing like you don't do, you don't set your, you don't set up camp on the slope. You just don't go up the slope the night. I don't know, whatever. They did something really weird. Um, there's a lot of, there was a lot of people talking about that. Maybe the tent had gotten moved, whatever. I don't know. Um, the setup was just really odd. So, um, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. This was, <laughs> they found a different mountain. This is not the don't go there mountain. Okay. This is the mountain of death. This is Kolot Psych. Mm. Let me see if I can say this right. Kolot Cyclemont Mountain. Hmm. Something like that. Kolot Sakal. Something like that. But anyways, it doesn't matter what it's named. All it does, what matters here is what it means. And uh, it has a reputation for being called the Mountain of Death. So rather than setting up camp at the Don't Go There Mountain, they're like, let's just set up on the coal, the coal lot Mountain of Death here. On the slope of it, okay? The slope. Again, these are experts. These are not dumb kids that are like, let's go camping for the first time and like bring a six pack. Like, no sorry, I'm yelling because they knew what they were doing and something really fishy and really bad happened. And I get really upset and I'm very upset now because I'm going to pause for a minute and we're going to get into the second part of what happened to them. And it's not fun. I mean, talking about Midsommar was great because it's like a fake movie and, uh, you know, ripping into like fictional stuff easy peasy, but like, mm, these were just, this was a senseless ordeal here. I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know why. And, um, anyways, so from them setting up their tent, I'm going to get into them being, um, not found. They were supposed to show up at their last post on February 12th and they didn't. And, um, yeah, that's where we're going to pick up. Okay, I got to get my inner Ariana Grande going. I don't, I just got to like keep breathing here because we are getting into the deep stuff. We're getting into the deep end, okay? This is one nasty, untaken care of pool that like, mm, I don't want to dive into it. But we are going to um, come February 12th when the group didn't show up at their last post, there was no immediate fear because, um, again, like I mentioned earlier, uh, obstacles, weather can get in the way. Um, and after about a week or so, they were like, Ooh, yeah, they should be here. So they went on a search for them immediately. And by the 12th or I mean the 27th of February, the first two of the bodies were found uh, 20 meters from their tent, and the tent was found 
with several cuts and tears from the inside. So they all got out of the tent from the inside out. Um, it was also said that they possibly were in the middle of making dinner or just getting started to eat dinner. Um, just doesn't make sense. So if I pause a lot in this one, it's not because I forget what I'm talking about. It's just so baffling. I mean, more baffling than why anybody would put a 30 foot too tall, blue, zombie, veiny looking, red-eyed, neon parts and everything Mustang statue in front of an airport when you fly in and out of it. This is like a thousand times worse. And so, okay, so poor so we got a Yura and a Yuri here. And, uh, you know, I dyed my hair red one time and somebody told me at the grocery store that I looked like I was Russian and asked me if I was Russian and I should have just gone full like Black Widow, but I didn't. And I will do my best to get through these Russian names. And if I don't say them right, uh, no disrespect. So Yura Doroshenko and Yuri Krivonishenko. Kravonashenko. There we go. We got it. Um, we're both found, again, 20 meters from the tent. Uh, there was a cedar tree where there were markings all over it where it looked like somebody had climbed up there and broken off some branches on the lower part of the tree and had started like this haphazard fire. And we'll get into like burns and marks and all these other things. Um, and so it just was really weird. So there's like the remains of this campfire, branches broken off. Um, you know, somebody was freaking getting all, you know, bobcat out and climbing up the damn thing. And the way one of them fell, it looks like, I mean, the one, the injuries on one of these guys is very consistent to like falling out of a tree, but everybody else's like horrible, violent injuries like there's nothing else around that really makes sense um there's no flash avalanche that could do any of this because of the footprints the footprints okay the footprints so poor <sighs> all right okay so they find uh they find one of them with let's see here yeah so that was super odd um they had they were basically naked except for underwear. They had, um, God, did they even have their shoes on? Hmm. No, they were, no, 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 no. They were enclosed but shoeless. And then, um, oh my God, Igor was found hugging a birch branch with, oh no, oh yeah, okay, uh, Zin, Zineba. Uh, Igor and Zenebo were found together a little bit further from the cedar tree area. And, um, the, the two men that were found first, they were found naked in underwear, um, but with socks on, I think. And then Igor was found in clothes, but shoeless. And, um, it doesn't say that I don't think I saw what it said, um, Zenebo was in, but she was found close by. And, um, it took a couple more weeks to find um, another one of the bodies. That would be Rustem uh, Slobodin. And he was found clothed with, clothed with two pairs of pants on, four socks. This is very Dumb and Dumber. This is, I mean, this is like a Jeff Daniels character in that movie when, 
when he gets really pissed because Jim Carrey has been wearing, Lloyd has been wearing, two, oh, which one of them is wearing the gloves? One of them's wearing two pairs of gloves and the other one has no gloves. And he's like, oh, my hands are so cold. And he's like, here, you can just wear my extra pair. And he's like, what do you mean your extra pair? Oh, man. Anyways, whatever. So he had all of the things on. He was dressed and ready to go. And uh, seems like he survived a little bit longer than the other ones. And then the last of the bodies that they found seemed like they survived a little bit longer than the first few that were found as well. And so um, he had a fractured skull and his watch. Um, we're going to get more into the injuries. But what was weird about him was that his watch had stopped at 845. Cool. Great. Awesome. I love it when just electronics stop working, right? Because like if a Yeti got them or if a oh, avalanche came, I don't know. Why would that make your watch stop? I, it's just, it's just wrong. It's all wrong. Okay. And so, um, the last four bodies found, um, had injuries consistent with that of a severe car crash, like straight into the wall, no bones about it. Um, they, Again, fractured skulls, ribs, all sorts of yucky stuff. Um, and they had no defense wounds. Um, some had soft tissue wounds, which is, we'll get into that. Um, I'm not a true crime podcast, so, I, so when I get into some of these things, um, I am kind of a baby. Although I love hearing about them, it's just hard talking about them. It's a totally different world. So, um, yeah. Again, we are going to be getting into the actual injuries, so that's why I'm I'm anticipating it. And I'm sweating because, again, California, man, it is, it's a scorcher. And uh, let's see here. Yeah, the injuries were ignored, um, and it was labeled, basically, the, they said it was hypothermia. You know, only one of the bodies, they think they labeled physical harm as a cause of death, but everybody else was just labeled as hypothermia. So when I list off the injuries here in, a, in just a minute, um, you're going to be like, wow, even if you know nothing about hypothermia, other than it's something that uh, it's like coldness killing you eventually, when you hear how they die, it's just like, again, it's, a, it's like somebody trying to shove a math answer in front, like, they're trying to fucking tell you this is the answer to an equation that it's not, uh, it's not even possible. Like, and the thing that's like the most frustrating is that like, I don't even think I'm saying like again, again, I am from California. Um, it's just, there's so many internal odd injuries without like there are there's bruising but there's not bruising where some of these injuries were at and it's almost like an invisible giant man just picked them all up and shook them like the fucking one in oh my god Hagrid's brother Gwarp it's like Gwarp showed up picked them all up chomped on a few of them and threw them back down on the ground really really hard and then ran away and then the government was like, we can't tell anybody that a giant killed our people. This is Russia. And so anyways, yeah, it's just. Hmm. So before you get into the bodies, uh, let me just say this. Um, by mm, May of 1959. Now, again, the last four bodies were found in May. By the end of May, 
they were like, all done here. Let's round up this circus and take it to the next stop. Because they took all the files on the case, closed them, archived them. Um, and fortunately, by the 90s, uh, they became unclassified. But there were several missing documents. Can you say JFK? Um, yeah. And then they reopened it in 2019. And <laughs> I'm going to talk about that's where we're going to end this whole thing. Because that is just another... <sighs> You know, it might be an inappropriate thing to say, but I would say that this whole 2019 reopening of the case was nothing but a big dick tease and nothing but uh, Russia being like, let's try to be different than we were when we were the Soviet Union. And when you see what their cause of death is for these people compared to the Soviet Union's cause of death for these people, it's, uh, you know, get them a gig at the fucking comedy store ASAP. So... Um, let me see here. So before we get into theories, let's talk about, let's talk about the bodies. The bodies hit the floor. Um, all right. So the first body we had Yura and Yuri. Again, this is going to, this is going to get me. I hope it gets all of us here because this is, this is visceral. So the first body, um, had burns on his head, on his feet. He had blood in his mouth, on his nose, ears, etc. And uh, I don't think it was like documented at the time, but gray fluid in his mouth, which apparently is like consistent to a heavy injury to the chest, which ugh, I don't like chest injuries. Those freak me out. Those freak me out a lot. So anyways, so that's how one of them goes down. Um, the other one had burns on his legs and his hand and his, uh, on one of his feet, um, and a, uh, a chunk of his knuckle was missing and they're like, where did it go? And they found it in his mouth. So they figured something really, really painful must've been happening to him and, or maybe he was trying to stay awake. I don't know, but my knuckles are trying to run away from my body right now and I'm going to, oof, Oh, so, so bad. It's so bad. Um, and he had severe bruising all over himself. Um, and it said that these two bodies specifically were definitely moved and their clothes ended up being used for, um, clothes for the other, uh, trekkers. Um, so it's clear that like they died first. The other ones were surviving. They used some of the articles of clothing to fashion, you know, like boots, socks, whatever the hell that they needed. Um, and so when we get to the third body, we have abrasions and bruises on the ankle with cuts and bruises on the face, uh, missing tooth along the jawline and incisor. And um, the fourth body, abrasions on the hands, a torn sweater. Um, sh- oh, this was uh, Zaneda, I think, Zaneda. Um, her sweater was torn. One of the arms were torn off of it, not her arm, but the sweater was and she had this funky baton she had a funky long style like lightsaber style bruise on her torso that looked like it could have come from a baton hitting her which is really weird that's a very long um, cylinder dulled edged piece of equipment you know what I mean for it, it was specifically over and over written I kept seeing it over and over described as a baton style bruise so yeah that's bad um and her face was really bruised so that's great and um 
Oh, it says that these two guys, yeah, uh, her and Igor, yeah, this was the the third body was Igor. So Igor and Zaneda, uh, they were definitely the one thing that they documented was that they were trying to get back to the tent. The way their bodies were positioned, um, it looked like they were in a hurry trying to go back to the tent. Now remember, they cut themselves, they cut out of the tent. So something really bad must have happened for them to be turning around and going straight back in there. I would assume. Hmm. So we get the fourth or the fifth body. And oh, I don't want to go back in time. Uh, we got the fifth one here. And he is face down with internal bleeding in the temple area, which is. Sounds like a great way to go. Uh, skull fracture. And um, it said that his movie, the body was you could tell was definitely moved post mortem, which again has happened a lot with some of these some of these bodies which just i don't know that's just always odd um yeah and the worst part about this one is that it's they said for sure he survived up to an hour after this disastrous like event like whatever fracture bleeding was happening in his head he lived <laughs> he didn't die right away and that is really awful and it's horrifying and they could tell by the way like the his tracks were or like I don't know if they were able to like get a hologram and see what his fucking actions were but somehow they were able to know that it caused him a tremendous amount of stress and pain and anxiety and now I have a tremendous amount of stress and pain and anxiety so let's get to body number six okay um oh the remaining four here sorry I'm just dropping my papers dropping my paper I'm clutching my pearls and I'm getting ready to go grab my teddy bear and um the last four bodies um seem to these last four guys seem to have been alive a little bit longer again than the previous five um apparently there were remnants of this like makeshift den thing that they tried to put together some sort of like crude shelter attempt um and yeah uh so this is the next girl. This is, um, oh, what was her name? Hold on. I am going to shuffle my papers because I want to say her name. Um, no, it's not Zaneda. Oh, man. This is the sixth body. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is, uh, this is, oh, you'll mean, uh, uh, you'd, Yudmila. Yudmila. So Yudmila Dubina was found with her tongue missing, her cheeks, her lips, a lot of soft tissue damage, which this is some damage like this happened to some of the other remaining four or remaining three. And that's kind of consistent to animals, you know, coming along and finding, you know, something to eat prey on whatever um but in multiple reports they said that there was a lot of dead wildlife around this area um when we get back to like the radioactive um activity here um yeah apparently the wildlife was kind of like non-existent so yeah that would <laughs> that kind of cancels out the yeti theory my dad is uh, hell-bent on saying that it was the Yeti. He believes in Bigfoot more than I think he believes in God, which is 
pretty interesting thing. Um, no, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> oh Lord, Bigfoot, Yeti, whatever. Um, we'll get to the fluffy, fun conspiracy theory stuff in a minute, but first we got to get through the rest of these injuries and body number seven. Um, oh wait, <laughs> I have to get through, uh, you'd, you first. Um, so her lips, tongue, cheeks are gone. Um, she had 10 broken ribs, no eyes, and a massive hemorrhage to her heart, which, uh, was labeled as one of her causes of death. Uh, the force, I don't know, the injury, whatever. That's, she's the only one that got anything other than hypothermia listed in her death. So cool. Um, the seventh one, uh, was found more clothed than anybody else. Um, I think he had like, you know, uh, he had a boot, he had multiple socks, all the stuff. Um, and he had five broken ribs, a frail chest, whatever. I know what the word frail means, but I don't know. I don't know what that means in terms of an injury. Um, anyways, the, again, tissue damage to the face. He had a deep gash on the back of his head and his eyes were missing as well. So cool. And the next one had rips and tears and burns on their jacket and clothing. Eyebrows were missing down to the bone. It's not like, oh, they just overplucked one night, you know, getting ready for their hot date. They just were gone. <sighs> Who wants to take somebody's eyebrows? My God. Um, anyways, broken nose and a deformed snapped neck. Uh, neck. I, neck does not a uh, past tense thing. Um, well, I guess you can past tense your neck if it's snapped and dead. Wow. Okay. I, this is too much. Um, and he had a gash behind his ears. So body number nine, bruises on the lips, internal bleeding in the forearm, which is like whoa and a shattered skull now why wouldn't you list a sh a shattered skull you're not going to list that as like the cause of death here you're going to say oh oh uh, well yeah there's bruises on the lips and you know the arm looks pretty messed up and the skull is shattered but it looks like it looks like this individual this young fine gentleman just froze to death no sir mother russia you are wrong very wrong okay so that is how they all died and that was not fun to get through but we got through it hopefully you guys got through it and now we can talk conspiracies which is a lot more fun than talking about bodily injury and harm so on this fun list we have everything from Ooh, yetis to the government to a weird sound. Um, there is some sort of like <laughs> sound tunnel wind noise that apparently can make you go crazy and, you know, rip your eyes and your tongue out because that's everybody knows about that. Uh, a flash avalanche. They even listed that the, there was a possible hurricane because, you know, those fucking Russian hurricanes, you hear about them all of the time. And then I wrote down the prison camps because I just thought it was sort of like, well, you have 30,000 people out here in the middle of like nowhere and you've got this like young group of people and the women and the, I don't know, whatever. And then you have the Mensi tribe. Again, 
the fucking Soviet Union were like, oh, maybe we'll just blame it on the indigenous people because you know what? What are government's number one go-to? Let's blame it on the people that were here first, right? Everybody loves that. So they were not about that shit. They were like, you know what? First of all, we helped you with this search. Second of all, like this nice group of kids like used our hunting trails. Like we didn't do shit. And if you want us like to help you find the last of the bodies, you will not be freaking turning your finger and pointing it at us. No, thank you. Not today. Satan. Come again. (sighs) And they did because they shut down this whole area for like three to four years. So the tribe couldn't even freaking go to their place. I assume that they shut down the prison camps as well. God knows. Who knows? Probably not. This is this is the Soviet Union we're talking about. And uh, I think the Gulag is what it was called. So they were like the most brutal prison camps in the whole. <sighs> wow. So anyways, what really seems to be the biggest, the biggest, uh, you know, if you want to take that finger of blame and point it anywhere, you're probably want to just going to point it towards the, uh, the, the Soviet Union to the government. Um, you know, the facts are the facts. When we talk about conspiracies here, we are never talking about whether or not something happened. Um, it's always, we, I'm always going to cover an event that happened, but the layers of cover-up that go on top of the event are the conspiracy. So, um, yeah, any topic I bring up in the future, I'm never, ever going to be like, oh, did this happen or did it not? Definitely not. I'm talking about, like, things that went down and then freaking shady people who try to cover that shit up, okay? That's what we do here. So, um, yeah, what it, all signs point to, uh, you know, the government. Do not collect, collect, do not pass go, do not collect $200, um, you guys are responsible for the cover-up of the killing of these nine freaking individuals, young patriots. Like, this is the worst part. Like, hmm, if it was, the, if the actual event was, was, an, it was, hmm, what am I trying to say here? If the actual event was caused by the government, then they un- unfortunately uh, killed nine of their youngest, uh, brightest, most freaking patriotic, freaking Soviet Union, communist loving, like young people. Like if that's what Russia was looking for, like they had them right there. Those were their guys. And so, um, oh man, you know, if you wanted to be a good communist back in the day, I guess, I guess this is where you would want to be. But, um, it didn't work out for them because no matter how, um, you know, prideful these young people were of their country and no matter what they were learning and studying in school, um, you know, their lives were ended. And, you know, we can say it was maybe the Yeti. There was a picture. They they took really good pictures along this trip, I will say. Uh, there was a picture of a large figure behind a tree. And to me, and a lot of people say that's like snowman yeti and they also made a funny little fake newspaper in their camp because they're just like the cutest little group of students ever like they are so just like they're very pure that's what i was trying to say earlier and i couldn't i couldn't find the proper hipster word for it so um they wrote we knew uh snowmen must 
uh, must exist. It was really cute. We know must, uh, snowmen must exist. And so everybody's like, oh, my God, the picture has to be a Yeti or it has to be like the Bigfoot, whatever the hell it is. Um, <laughs> this article wrote like probably just a joke. But I'm like, what if it wasn't? Um, so anyways, but like I said, my dad is like, it's the Yeti. They took the picture. They got it. Um, I think the picture kind of looks like uh, it could be like a big dude from this prison camp in a in a uniform, almost looks like snowsuit esque. I don't know, but it wasn't anybody in their party apparently. Um, and uh, what was it? Oh, avalanche! They tried to say that there was this flash avalanche. Now you can't have an avalanche and then have footprints that like lead to where the bodies are. Like I don't know. I don't know the science of it or the geology of it or the geographics of it or whatever whatever it is um it was not an avalanche so we're just gonna go over that one um like I said there was the prison camp I I mean these were some pretty gnarly injuries but I don't know maybe you know like a Bundy Kemper snuck out one night and was like I'm gonna go after these young kids and just did really awful things but then again you know, they didn't really have defense wounds. So moving on from that. Um, yeah, there's a sound wind tunnel thing. Um, I don't know the technical term for it. I didn't write it down because I don't believe it happened. But apparently there have been cases of um, oh, the way certain rocks or caves or tunnels are shaped. The wind that flows through them um, can cause this funky sound in your brain to literally... And it'll, it'll literally, like, drive you insane. And so they're thinking, like, oh, maybe because they had all their clothes torn off and they cut through the tent and all this stuff. Like, maybe that's what happened. Sure. Maybe. If that's what you want to... If that's the hill you want to die on, you die on Sound Tunnel Hill. Um, that sounds like a video game, like, island that you would go to. Um, and, like, Sonic or something. Sound Tunnel Hill. Um, so down to the last two. I have UFO and I have the government. Now, nothing like UFO and government is like peanut butter and jelly. It's like Bubba and Forrest. It's just peas and carrots. They go together hand in hand, time after time, since the dawn of time. And that's, you know, the last two theories here revolve around f fiery lights in the sky. And um, there was students no young children camping about 50 miles away and they saw these uh glowing orange uh spheres in the sky and um yeah i think there were some more um more people had mentioned that too because a lot of the people after the funeral uh of these these individuals and everything like a lot of the families just felt like this had to do with some sort of failed government kind of uh, military weapon experiment, whatever. Um, UFOs are great and they're cool. And I love going into alien shit. And, you know, when there's nothing that you can explain all the way through, you know, we can take it to UFO. We could take it to the aliens. So maybe something happened. They came down and they were like the invisible giant that shook them all up and threw them back down and all of the stuff. And who knows? I don't know, but it's the government. So I'm going to talk about the government. So, this was a Cold War, and uh, between, like, us and Russia were, like, really competitive, like, 
siblings, uh, very competitive siblings who are like just constantly racing and trying to beat each other in space and weapons and, you know, big bombs that'll make the world like disappear. Um, you know, just really fun stuff like that. And so there were a lot of, um, you know, military experiments, testing going on. They had different um, sites all over the country. And um, I think there was one not too far off from here. And so again, we have these uh, reports of the glowing orange spheres. And um, one way to explain why they might have come out of the tent in such a a fast fury was um, possibly, you know, some sort of like uh, fuel or radiation. They did find uh, there was radiation in the area. Again, there was a lot of like dead animal bodies um, or dead wildlife around there. And um, yeah, I mean, so if they did that, so if they accidentally made like a big boom and, you know, they realized that this happened and that these, you know, nine individuals were gone you can't, I mean, I guess they could have just taken the bodies and buried them somewhere and never brought it up ever again, but they, the bodies were left there. So I I don't know, maybe there was just some crazy blast, some sort of, I don't know, missile weapon or something that went off and just literally just chucked them out of whatever it was that they were doing. And, uh, caused all these weird injuries i don't know this is just i don't know what kind of a weapon would do this i don't even know i don't know what it the craziest thing is is that like if you took uh you know if we were making a movie right now and i'm like you know let's take (laughs) snowy mountains and insert a hurricane there instead of in a in a watery body of in a watery body of water in a watery area you know let's put the hurricane in the in the snowy mountains here okay and you know this hurricane is just like whipping everybody around and you know shit's getting you know thrown about you know trees branches all this stuff and then everybody's just dropped onto the ground that sort of seems like what happened to like their bodies but that doesn't happen so I don't know what happened uh, if anybody else knows what happened, please, <laughs> if you've solved this somehow, I would really, really like to know because this is insane. And so I am ending this here with the reopening of the case in February 2019. There was a bunch of uh, documentaries that were suggested. Thank you, Becky. Thank you, Kenny. Um, that uh, some of them going into the the reopening of this and what a big deal it was. And, um, basically Russia, the Russian government compared to the Soviet union government that made these conclusions in 1959, um, they were like, Oh yeah. Okay. Everybody's upset about this still. Oh, got it. Cool. Didn't realize that this was still a thing. You guys are still mad about this? What? Sorry, our our hypothermia explanation wasn't good enough for you? Okay, we'll reopen the case. So they reopened the case and they were like, oh, it was uh, hypothermia from an avalanche. The case is closed. Bye. Thank you for coming. Thank you for all of your research. And thank you everybody for all your time. Peace the fuck out. And so, okay, hypothermia from a flash avalanche. just 
can't, you know, I literally can't even, I don't think anybody can literally even with this because it's just, uh, it's kind of like a slap in the face. You know, it's again, um, these were, you know, good people of their country. They were young. They were eager to do, you know, what they thought were, would be great things for their country and for their government. And, you know, they were athletic and active and smart and full of personality, full of life. They had, you know, like I said, younger, they had siblings left behind, parents left behind. And, um, you know, it's just, it's not fair to any of them. And, uh, you know, it's just sort of a joke to, uh, you know, oh, they died from the cold. Okay. Well, how come their bodies were like, oh, there was like so many different, um, uh, there was a lot of documentation about the bodies being like a funky color. That's not consistent with like hypothermia. I just, you know, and their hair was gray. That was another thing. Like, man, I've seen premature grayness, but this is like, this is bad. Um, but if you if we ever get through COVID, if you ever end up in Russia, there is a really cool, uh, morose, creepy Russian older gentleman who has like a museum and he has like these acrylic uh, mock-ups of the actual injuries that happened to all nine of these uh, individuals. So you could go see what happened to the, the old missing knuckle. You could see what happened on the back of some of these heads. Just a rip roaring good time. So if you want to be footloose and fancy free and you want to uh, risk uh, the, the biggest pandemic epidemic of our lifetime, hop on an airplane for cheap, go to Mother Russia and find this guy because uh, that would be a great Instagram opportunity. Those would be some good photos. So do that. Don't do that. Um, this is it. I'm not quite sure what the next conspiracy episode um, is going to be about. Um, I'm kind of going back and forth between, um, well, I don't know. It's probably going to be the uh, massacre in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Black Wall Street. And uh, that's just, you want, you want to talk about heavy? This is going to sink you down into the freaking core of the earth. This is some messed up shit. Like I said, we don't talk about things as if they did they or did they not happen. I talk about things that have happened, that have factual evidence, okay? And that uh, the conspiracy lies in the cover-up. There's nothing, it's it's like a child trying to get away with something or trying to uh, not get in trouble with their parents over like, you know, oh, I accidentally broke the vase in the fucking, you know, living room. Um, you know, governments and high up people do that all the time. It's, it's a behavior that just extends into all different types of, uh, different realms, if you will. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's the Dyatlov pass. If I missed anything, I really didn't mean to. Um, there's so much, again, when it comes to a lot of these conspiracies, there's so much you just kind of have to pick and choose. But, um, I think I got through, I think, I think we did okay here. So again, I hope you guys don't lose any of your eyebrows. I hope your tongue stays in your mouth and, uh, Jesus Christ, don't go hiking in the middle of the winter. I, well, I don't know if winter was in January for Russia. Maybe they're like Australia and their winter is in the summer. I don't know. But all I know was that it was snowy and these are really big mountains and that the nine 
these nine guys, they, they didn't deserve to die. And the government owes them an apology. Probably would be nice to do it sooner than later. So that's that. Thank you guys for tuning in to Curiosity Killed the Cat. I'm Sarah, and I will see you next time.